Let's turn in our Bibles to uh, Matthew's Gospel. We're going to be in chapter 7 this morning. We're going to be uh, covering verses 1 to 5. Jesus is going to teach us in this chapter about not judging. He's going to teach us about persistent prayer, the narrow and the broad way. You will know them by their fruit. He's going to talk about false confessions. And lastly, he's going to talk about hearing and doing God's will. Another chapter that we're, uh, we're probably going to have a little bit of wrestling with. But today we're just going to look at the first five verses of chapter 7. I titled this morning's message, Do Not Judge. Now, before we get into these, uh, these verses... Uh, Let me ask you all a couple of questions. One question is, have you ever been wrongly judged by someone? Have you ever been wrongly judged? I think we probably all have, more than once. But let me ask you another question. Have you ever judged someone wrongly? That one is a little harder, isn't it? Have you ever judged somebody in the wrong way? Now let's read the text, verse 1 to 5. These are Jesus' words. He says, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. When it comes to this subject of judging, I think it's a huge subject amongst Christians. We're not talking about judging amongst the people of the world. We're talking about judging one another within the body of Christ. This is a a huge subject and one that is very convicting. Why would Jesus need to say this to his disciple. Why would he need to say that to us this morning? Do not judge. And I think the obvious answer to that is because the Lord knows that we're prone to judge. We're prone to judge one another and to do it in a wrong way. Jesus, and I think we see that as we go through the Sermon on the Mount here, he's about prevention. Jesus is about prevention. He knows the things that we're prone to do. He knows the type of sins and the struggles that are common to every one of us. And so he brings those things out. We already saw where Jesus said, do not do your righteous deeds before men to be seen by men. Why would he say that? Because we're prone to do that. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Why would he need to tell us that? Because we're prone to worry. And then he says, do not judge. Why would he say that? 
because we're prone as believers even, as children of God, to judge, to, to judge people unfairly. I think that the best way to approach this subject of judging, because it is such a, uh, it, it's a, far, a, a large subject and it, and it can be addressed from a number of different uh, angles, but the best way I think to start out looking this, at this area of judging is to look at Jesus himself, to look at the very nature of Jesus himself. He's our model, isn't he? He's the one that we're to follow and to model our life after. Uh, And as believers, as children of God, our desire should be that I would not misrepresent God, that I wouldn't misrepresent his character, his nature, and who he is to one another and really to this world. Some of the uh, things that we can learn about the very uh, nature of Jesus Christ One of them is found in John's gospel in chapter 5, verse 22. He says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Now, who has the authority to execute judgment? God has given it to his Son, Jesus Christ, to be the judge. He's the one that can rightfully execute righteous judgment towards mankind. In Acts 10.42, Peter was preaching to Cornelius' family, and he said this, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Here's Peter acknowledging that Jesus is the judge. He's the one. Paul preaching to the Athenians in uh, Acts 17, he says this, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. God's going to do it someday. But know this, that when God judges, he will do it perfectly and according to righteousness, he will never judge somebody unfairly or unjustly. In John chapter 12, verse 47, Jesus says this, If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge. I do not condemn him, in other words. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Now that tells us something about the nature of our Lord. He didn't come into this world to condemn, to judge and condemn this world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in that last day. You see, Jesus Christ will one day set himself up as judge. And he will judge men's rejection of him. Man will stand before God and Jesus Christ will sit as judge. In Revelation 6, 17, we read, for the great day of his wrath has come and who will be able to stand? That day is coming. 
for this world to stand before God, but we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The point is, is that Jesus Christ is the righteous judge. We're not the judges. Though there is a tendency for Christians at times to think they are. There's no doubt from reading through God's word that Jesus came as Savior, but he will one day be judge. But that's just one aspect of his attributes. That's just one part of his right of who he is as God. We also see in our Bibles that Jesus, by his very nature, is compassionate towards people. He's merciful towards sinners. He's slow to anger. He's patient. He's patiently waiting. Even for that last person that's going to receive him. And he's, he's quick to forgive. That's the nature of our Lord. That's the example that we have before us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the heart of our Lord. He wants to save people. And and you know what? We're following him. We want to represent his character to this world. We don't want to come out as judges. We want to come out as compassionate and loving and looking for, to being patient with people. I don't think we should be anything less than our Lord. He's our greatest example for us to follow. So why are we quick to judge? Why, as believers, do we criticize one another? Uh, why do we find it hard at times to extend mercy towards people? I'm talking about towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why do we find it hard to extend grace and mercy towards them? I mean, these are people that God loves. We're representatives of him. And we should be doing as he did. Jesus already said to us in chapter 5, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you're merciful towards other people, God extends his mercy towards you. Uh, it's, It's a characteristic, it's a character quality and should be of every Christian that we're merciful. But I have to say that this is where it starts getting a little confusing. Uh, Do we have the right as Christians to judge the actions of other Christians? Do we have the right to do that? This is where it gets confusing amongst believers. Can we make distinctions between right and wrong as believers? Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. Now, the verb there, uh, the verb uh, uh, for judge here, this word, it's the Greek word krino, and it actually relates to an English word which means a critic or to criticize. 
It means to separate or to make a distinction between things. That's what it means to judge. To separate, to make a distinction between things. This word speaks of the act of of evaluating uh, things in terms of its rightness and its wrongness. And then making a judgment call. Have you ever done that? You make a judgment call based upon your evaluation of what you just saw or what you're observing in this particular person. You make a judgment call. But a lot of times that judgment call is not accurate. We, we sit down and we assess what we see. And this is where it, it starts getting hard because, you know, we live in a day and age in the church today where we're hearing more and more that statement, don't, don't judge me. I mean, that's becoming common within the church. You can't judge me. Who are you to judge me? And so as believers, do we have the right to judge? Jesus says, judge not, that you be not judged. And the fact is that there are people that even for their own advantage, like to say, who are you to judge me? And a lot of times that's just a cover up for their own compromise and their own sin. Who are you to be judging me? Jesus says, don't judge. And so there becomes this confusion amongst believers. What right do we really have in looking at people's lives, other believers' lives, and assessing what we see? A lot of times, as Christians, when they fall back on this, they fall back on this, don't judge me. I, I think it's because inside it, it's, it's, it's what allows them to be at ease. If, if they can say to you, don't judge me for what you see, then they can just continue on. And we see that a lot within the church, the compromise that is creeping within the church. Everyone's afraid to say that they're judging someone and so they don't say anything. But let me ask you something. Have you ever tried to tell a police officer who pulled you over for speeding, don't judge me? Has that ever happened, Lee? Somebody, uh, you know, he pulls him over and, you know, don't judge me. Well, that wouldn't work, would it, Lee? It wouldn't work. Why? Why wouldn't it work for that person to say that to the officer? And it's because it's already been written. The, the, the law has already been posted. You can't speed, and if you speed, you're going to get a ticket. And so we're not talking about judging. We're not talking about the police officer judging that person. We're talking about him enforcing something that has already been written. We have God's word. We have the written word of God that has all the instructions and all the commands and all those things. And so there are things that are absolutes. It's already been written out. And so for somebody to say, well, don't judge me. Well, what does God's word say? There are things that we can assess and look at and we can judge. So when Jesus says, judge not, he's not saying we cannot evaluate people's actions or call something sin. 
that, that wouldn't be right, would it? I mean, we just need to be silent. You know, you can't judge anyone. You can't say anything. That's not what Jesus is saying here. I, as a matter of fact, every single day as believers, we're judging between good and evil, aren't we? You're making those assessments as an individual every single day, decisions you make between good and evil. We evaluate the practices that are going on in churches and how they're doing things. We, we look at those things. Uh, we also speak up against same-sex marriage within the church, the so-called church. We speak up against homosexuality where the homosexual is not the problem. God wants to forgive that person and save them. The problem is, is that even the church is saying, well, we need to be, you know, we can't be judging them. You know, and so the church feels like and Christians feel like, well, where do we at? We can't judge people. Jesus says, don't judge. By the way, it's only going to get worse. The, the world we're living in, the time, the day and age for the church, it's only going to get worse as we go along. The compromise and the things. And as believers, we do need to make a stand. We do need to assess things. We do need to judge things in that way. In First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 21, we're called as Christians to test all things, to hold fast to what is good, and to abstain from every form of evil. So we're called as believers to test things. That's really what judging is, in a sense, in the good part of judging. It's, it's testing things. It requires judging. It, it, it requires discernment on our part, discerning things and making distinctions. But here's another side of judging that we need to be aware of. And this is what I believe Jesus is talking about in our text. Have you ever noticed how much easier it is to judge the faults of others than it is to judge your own faults? It's real easy, isn't it? To look at other people's faults even within the church, and, and judge their faults more than it is to look at your own. It, that's just our flesh. Have you ever rushed to judgment against a brother or sister about something uh, maybe you found out and then you realize, you know what, I was wrong in my assessment. I, I, I thought I saw what was going on. I thought I knew what was going on. And I rushed to a judgment. And then it came back on you that you were wrong. These words of Jesus are not warning about determining between right and wrong, but rushing to judgment. That's what Jesus is saying in our text. He's warning us about rushing to judgment against a brother or sister or looking down on someone in a condemning way. Kind of looking at how they are and just, you know, being in a condemning way towards them in our judgment of them. Jesus warns us 
about this because we're prone to do it. We're prone to do this kind of thing. In John chapter 7, Jesus said to the Jews who were judging him by what they saw, some of the people there were saying about Jesus, this man has never even studied. How can he be teaching in the synagogue? They were saying that about our Lord. Others were saying he deceives the people. And still others were saying, this man has a demon that's trying to kill him. This was the assessment. This is how they were judging the Lord. And Jesus answered and he said to those that were saying these things, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment according to appearance. We have all probably fallen trapped to that. Judging by appearance, by what you think you saw, by what you think you see, and coming to rash judgments about the person that you're judging. Some of, what, uh, some, uh, some of the things that we judge or the things that we can judge, I believe, are truth. We can judge truth of something if it's of God or not of God. We can judge fruit in people's lives. We can see fruit in their life or no fruit. We can also judge actions in in, in relationship to the Word of God, things that we see people do. But we can also judge ourselves. There's really four areas that we are able to judge. In 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul writing to Timothy talked about judging between truth and error. He says, be diligent, Timothy, to present yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we as believers were called to, to judge between truth and error. Somebody comes to you and says, you know what? Uh, they give you some false truth, false doctrine. Yeah, but that doesn't line up with the word of God. You know, they, they can't say, well, you know, you're judging my doctrine. No, the word of God says what it says. We can also judge fruit, which are the things that are apparent in people's lives. And I, and I preface it with that. We can judge fruit in a person's life by the things that are apparent. Uh, but we can't judge a person's heart, can we? Can you see another believer's heart and judge the motives of their heart and judge their... No, but we can judge the fruit that we see coming forth out of their life. The only one that can judge the heart, judge the motives, is God himself. He's the righteous judge who is able to divide, discern, and and do that without error. In verse uh, 15 and 16 of our chapter 7 here, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Jesus says you can judge. You'll know them by their fruits. You'll see what comes forth out of their their life and out of their witness. We can also judge actions. This is a big one. We live in a time in the church right now where 
people wrestle with this whole thing about, we'll call it church discipline. People being disciplined within the church. But listen to what Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 12. Paul says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Wow, that's straight to the point. Yet, I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world. He says, I'd have to take you out of the world because you live in a world full of those kinds of people. But then he goes on, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. That we would call church discipline. Paul, you know, but I'll tell you what, this is not, this verse right here, this is not something that churches practice very often today. As a matter of fact, they wouldn't even want to bring this kind of stuff up because there's a lot of compromise that has been allowed just to come into the church. No big deal. We can't judge anyone. No judging. No, we can look at conduct and how people live, but and we'll, we'll see this more. There is a way in which we approach these things. Lastly, and I think this might be one of the most important ones, we're told that we can judge ourselves. That's probably the most important of all of them. 1 Corinthians 11.31, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. We won't be judged. If you take it upon yourself to judge your own actions in the way you, and, and every, Lord, help me to see my own sin. Then you would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Why does the Lord chasten us? He loves us. Why does he, why does he judge our act? And the thing, because he wants us to grow. He wants us to learn. He wants us to stop living or doing this or doing that. But he desires for us to judge ourselves. You see, by the time the Lord gets to us and has to chastise us, it's probably because we're unwilling to judge ourselves. He's saying, I'm going to help you along, like we do with our own kids. <laughs> I'm going to help you along in this. When we judge ourselves... We often judge by a different standard. That's the problem. When we judge other people, we sometimes use this standard. When we put the judgment against ourselves, we kind of go with a different standard. We're a little easier on ourselves. And we shouldn't be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says this. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves. You ever done that? Measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise, Paul says. In other words, 
I can always go out and I can always find a brother or sister that could make me look good. I could find somebody that's not doing as well as me. And by that sheer knowledge, I could make myself seem like, hey, I'm doing all right. The problem with that is that we're not rising to the standard. The standard is Jesus Christ. If we say, I want to compare myself with him, then we're all going, Lord, I I fall so short. But I want to get there. I want to be like you. But when we compare with one another, Paul says it's an unwise thing to do. It'll leave a loophole for you to be able to say, hey, I'm all right, doing good. Jesus goes on in verse 2, and he tells us what he's forbidding us to do. Look in your Bibles, verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You will be judged here, or you're going to be judged later. God is either going to deal with our wrong way of judging people here, or when you stand before the Lord someday, you'll give an account before the Lord. Jesus is saying, if you begin to judge your brother or sister with a measure or standard that's not God's standard. Think of God's standard of righteousness. If you begin to uh, measure uh, that person, but your own uh, standard, your own standard for yourself is not the same, it's unwise. Some of the descriptive words and ways that I believe Jesus is warning us here in this text is that we can be critical towards other Christians. We can be fault-finding. We can be judgmental over things that you have no right to judge. We can speak evil of someone. We can uh, judge a person by their appearance. We can judge them by their color, their race, how they dress. We can judge them by not knowing all of the facts. We can judge them by rushing to judgment. These are, these, this is, I believe, what Jesus in this text is warning us against as believers. I remember the first time that I walked into a church. I was raised going to church. I've been to a lot of different churches through my years, but... I remember walking into this church one time and every single man in that church as I walked up to the front of it had a a suit on or at least a dress shirt and a tie. And I remember walking up to those front doors and I didn't have one. Here I am a teenager and I walked up and I didn't have, uh, you know, that I had probably had a t-shirt on or something. And it felt like every eye was looking at me. Now, were they? God be the judge. But, you know, but I, we know that the tendency, we're prone to be that way. And that's not the way our Lord is. The Lord is never concerned with the appearance more than what's going on inside. We sometimes judge appearance more than we care about what's on the inside. I read a story that makes a point about this. 
Many years ago, an Episcopalian bishop was sailing to Europe on one of the great ocean liners. When he got on board, he was told that he would have to share his room with another passenger. He checked out the room and then he went up to the information desk and asked if he could put his gold watch and wallet in the ship's safe. The bishop explained that he didn't do this ordinarily, but he had been to his cabin and didn't like the looks of his roommate. The clerk took the valuables and said, no problem, I'll I'll be glad to take care of them for you. Your roommate has already been here and left his stuff for the same reason. And and, And we do that, don't we? We judge by appearance. And here, you know, and, and, and the Lord says, don't do that. Be careful that you don't judge wrongly, harshly, out of the wrong motives. James wrote in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Don't do it. For if you should, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Judges with evil thoughts. In chapter 4 of James, in verse 11, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Speaking to Christians, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. What James is saying is the person who judges or speaks evil of his brother is in effect disobeying the law. By placing himself in a position that's above the law and thus treating it with contempt. It's unfortunate, but in the body of Christ, there's a lot of judging that is not led by the Lord. God's not leading you to, uh, to the assessments that you're making towards other people. There are many within the church today who have not heeded this command of the Lord. And they, uh, have you ever ran into somebody that I call them self-appointed prophets? They, they think that they're like spokespersons for God New Testament spokespersons. I'm going to go out and and kind of clean things up. They're self-appointed judges of people. Churches have them. And and, and And I think that it's brought a lot of damage to the body of Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, when God called a prophet to go speak to the people, and he would call them to go speak some pretty harsh things, didn't he? Talk about their idolatry, their sin, and all all these things. But these prophets were given words by God to them to go speak to the people. They were just being obedient to what God called them to do. 
these New Testament prophets, ones that take on this thing of going out and judging and taking that role, they better make sure that what they say to people, that that's the Lord directing it. I mean, we're not in the, we're not in the business as believers to go try and clean up God's church per se. We're to, we're to be there, but you know what? It's not our, it's the role of the Holy Spirit. It's the role of God. I'm real happy. I really am real happy with letting God do his work in you. I'm not just all the time thinking about, you know, all the things that are going on in your lives and how I could just correct you. That doesn't, I don't rattle my brain with that all the time. I trust that God, through his word, is working those things in your heart and God's doing what he does best, changing your life, changing my life. In verse 2, it says, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Don't be an enforcer for God. There's no need for you to be that way. Spurgeon wrote this. He says, You are not called to judge. You are not qualified to judge. And God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. And there is much better work to be done by us than that of setting up as judges of others. It's not my role to be that judge of people, their motives, their hearts. Yes, I can look at actions. I can look at things. There is church discipline. There are things that have have to happen. But what Jesus is warning about here is that rash judgment towards people. Judging by appearance. Trying to think you've got them all figured out, their motives. Trying to, you know, and, and, and making judgment calls that come back and you realize, oh, I did that wrong. That's what he's warning against. He goes on in verse 3, and he says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye. <laughs> when I read this, I, you know what, I get this funny picture. Do you? You get the funny picture in your eye, you know, this little speck and then the big beam hanging out of somebody's eye. I, I mean, that makes me think, you know, our Lord probably has some humor. I, I'm assuming that the disciples, when they heard those kind of words, that maybe they chuckled at the whole thing. To see this beam in their mind's eye sticking out of this guy's eye. It's a great picture that the Lord has given to us to to bring home a truth. He says, and why do you look at the speck? That word look there means to look or to behold. The Amplified Bible reads this way. Why do you stare from without at the very small particle that is in your brother's eye, but you do not become aware of and consider the beam of timber that is in your own eye. Why do you just sit and stare and wonder and contemplate and try to figure out where that person's at? Why do you judge the way that you judge? It's been said, inspect your own life before you look for the specks in others. Inspect your own life before you look for the specks in others. This word speck 
in some of your Bibles, it might read moat. Now, a speck is also a splinter. Or we might say in the spiritual sense, it's a small fault. It's a small fault that you might see in a person. It's a small moral defect that you might kind of catch wind of that you see in, in a person. A plank is a beam also translated a beam. It speaks of something that's much greater or larger, which we often overlook. That's what Jesus is saying. You're overlooking the fact that you've got this big beam out of your eye, but you're sitting there contemplating and staring and trying to figure out how you can zero in on the speck in your brother's eye or your sister's eye. When we're being self-righteous, it's hard to see our own evil. And and that's what self-righteousness will do. You won't see any too many faults because you're just out trying to, you know, get everybody else straight. It's like the Pharisee that was judging that tax collector. Remember the story? He stood there praying to himself, we're told. And he's, here's his prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Self-righteous. Extortioners. Unjust. Adulterers. Even as this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off, we're told, would not even so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Do you see the contrast there between somebody that wants to be self-righteous? It's very easy for someone that's self-righteous to see the faults in other people, but not see their own. That's what we have to caution ourselves from. Verse 4 says, Or how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. And look what he says, verse 5. What's this here? First word, hypocrite. This is the fourth time in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus uses this word hypocrite. Hypocrite, actor, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I believe as the Lord was sitting here giving these words to his disciples that these were things because even the tense of the word as Jesus spoke here is speaking as if he's speaking to them that this was going on. I think that these things were even within their own heart that Jesus was dealing with there. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye. We often find ourselves judging people by appearance, judging motives, being critical, rushing to judgment. Jesus says in doing this, you become a hypocritical judge. A hypocritical judge. Because 
you do not first examine your own self. That's always the order. If you ever have something to bring up with anyone, then first examine yourself. We need to resist the temptation of fault-finding with people, being more critical of others than we are of ourselves. This is what I've learned and am learning, that it's always a safer ground to be on when you're extending mercy and grace. Always a safer place to be. If you want to set yourself up as a, uh, as a, a judge or prophet to tell people what they need to correct, and if you want to set yourself up that way, that's a harder road. It's a safer road to be on to extend mercy and grace. That does not mean that we allow people just to go on and do whatever. Sometimes we do need to speak the truth in love. We've all had to do that. We've had to say it's in love, but we've checked ourselves out first. We've examined why we're going to that person in love. And sometimes real love actually speaks the truth and it hurts. And sometimes a person might say to you, well, you're judging me. Sometimes you just spoke the truth in love and and it needed to be heard. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, he says this, love thinks no evil. You ever pondered those words just for a little bit? Love thinks no evil. In other words, true agape love, a love that is really God-given love out of your life, is not always trying to find in people evil. It's always thinking that the best. You know, when I look at the church here, I'm not looking out at people here as I'm standing up here looking at you guys and all the evil in you. I know what God's doing in you. He's doing a work in your life. He's changing you. Love thinks no evil. I'm looking for what God's going to do in your life, what he's doing in my life. The same way. We're on the same place. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4, 8, And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Love will cover a multitude of sins. And that doesn't mean that, you know, that we allow sin just to go, let it go, don't do it. Love will cover. In other words, I don't want to expose a person's sin. Have you ever done that? Have you ever exposed somebody's sin? You know how you do that? You're out and you're, 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 you're talking. All of a sudden you start talking to somebody. You know, so-and-so, and they're really going through it. Yeah, what's going on? Well, yeah, they're, they, they really got this struggle going. And, and right there you just exposed a struggle or a sin in a fellow brother or sister. You know what we should do? Real love seeks to not cover up sin as to like letting it go on. But love doesn't want to expose it. Doesn't want to make it known to everybody so that everyone, you know, can see what that person's sin is. So how should we approach a brother or sister that's in compromise or that's struggling? Here's, I believe, 
what Paul said in Galatians 6.1. I believe this is the proper approach. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, it says, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. That word restore there is an important word. Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So what I need to do, if I ever go and I, I find that I want to approach somebody about something that I've seen or heard, is I need to first consider myself. I need to come in a spirit of gentleness to the person that I'm approaching. I need to consider myself, but I need to go with a heart that wants to see restoration, not just to call them out on the carpet. You know, some I just like calling them out, calling it for what it is. That's not the spirit of restoration or love in doing that. I know that as we're uh, going to go through the remainder of Matthew's uh, chapter 7 here, that there's a lot of things that we're, we're, we're getting pricked each week. I pray, and I, you know, here's, the, here's what I've said to you before. I have to sit before this myself. As I'm studying and looking at it, I have to sit before the Lord with my heart before the Lord and say, Lord, speak to me about these things. I'm not just up here preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. We need to be careful as a church that we don't fall trapped to this area of judging one another, doing it wrongly. There's a right way to judge things, but there's a wrong way to judge. And that's what Jesus is warning us about here this morning. Father, I thank you Uh, Lord, for just your gentle way, Lord, that you instruct us. You've given us your word. You've given us all of the things that we need for life and for godliness. And Lord, I pray that we would welcome it this morning, that you would search our hearts. Lord, you're the judge. You're the one that's able to see my heart, to see our hearts. And Lord, and to see if there's any wicked way in me. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that uh, if there is those areas where we've been judgmental towards someone, or if there's someone that we need to reconcile and make something right, that we would be quick to do that, that we would glorify you in it. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon this church this morning. Give us your power, Lord, to go out of this place today, to go about this week, Lord, filled with your spirit. Lord, use us, use our lives. We love you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.